It's a crossover week. I'm Chris Carter from the Locked On Steelers podcast here with Marcus Mosher of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. And we've got a big week lined up. Marcus, very happy to be doing the show with you, my man. I'm excited. This is a this is a dream come true because you know people always bug me on Twitter about being a Steeler fan because I live in Steeler country. Uh, so do to be able to do a Cowboy and Steeler podcast, uh, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, this is going to be great. Um, and it's funny because. These two teams have a great history against each other. They're they're two of those story franchises, and they're going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game uh, to, to you know to lead hopefully, off. The hopefully, hopefully, oh, yeah. Well, let's not let's not bum out our, our listeners too much. <laughs> but but that's a, that's a very true statement by you. Um, but Marcus, let's lead off the show talking about you know the top news, which is the the, the Dallas Cowboys signing quarterback Andy Dalton to a one year deal. Um, and the impact that he brings to the to the Cowboys. What was your read when you saw this signing? Uh, you know, you cover the team. You're, you've been in, you've been in depth on them. What was your feel on like how how this all played out? First of all, I loved it. I mean, this was somebody that I was campaigning for for the Cowboys from the moment that he got released. I think Dalton's at a stage in his career where he knows he's probably not going to be a long term franchise quarterback for anybody. So he's trying to get himself into a good situation. Uh, in a, with a good coaching staff, so he can be the very best, you know, maybe backup quarterback that he can be. Uh, and at one year, three million with a max incentive of, you know, up to seven million, I love it. I, I think Dalton is certainly not not the quarterback that's going to take you over the edge, uh, but he's somebody who is as good as the surroundings around him. And the Cowboys do have a lot of talent on that offense with a good offensive line. Uh, their receiving core is really good. They've got a good running game. So if Dallas needs Dalton to bail them out for two, three, four games, I think he can do that. Uh, I also think there's a, this other hidden reason why the Cowboys signed him. But uh, again, they play the AFC North this year. And who has more experience than Andy Dalton at facing these AFC North teams? I think he's going to be a big asset to to help Dak Prescott learn okay, when he plays the Steelers, these are the kind of blitz packages they like to use on third and six. And this is what Baltimore likes to do in these certain situations. So uh, I, I think for all of those reasons, I, I was really excited about this signing. I don't think it has anything to do with Dak. I don't think Dallas is using this as a leverage thing at all. I just think they wanted to improve their backup quarterback situation, and they did so by bringing in Andy Dalton. I agree. I, I, this isn't, to me, a, a infringing on the future with Dak Prescott. But you're, you're right about Andy Dalton. He's, he's never going to be the guy that puts you over the top, right? But he is the guy that says, hey, you know what? I can play within a system. I cannot make the huge mistakes that crush our team. And I can at least be a, a solid quarterback, in, in, you know, as long as there's good talent around me. And, and like you said, the Cowboys got talent. I mean, you, you, st- you still got Cooper. You still got Elliott. Um, you know, they're deep. I think the defense, they, they're, they're re-queuing up. You still got that offensive line. Uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out this year with with, with the Cowboys in general. But if, if Prescott ever went down for a period of time, I mean, Andy Dalton's a guy, he's, he's, he's and again, this isn't a guy who would, you know, took a year off or, 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 you know, would have to get his feet back under him. He's just fresh off of playing and playing right. for a really, really rough situation in Cincinnati. I mean, if you saw – the, the Monday night football game where they came to Heinz Field and just he was just getting just beat up all left, mm-hmm. left and right uh, by the Steelers' pass rush. I mean, Andy Dalton was going through it with the Bengals. So 
you put him in a situation where he's not only got better protection, but a ground game and receivers to throw to, I think that that's as good as a backup quarterback situation as you could ask for um, when you're the Cowboys and you're not trying to make a, a huge splash signing that could shake up your quarterback room. Well, here's the other thing with Dalton, too, is, I mean, we know what his strengths and weaknesses are. He's he's just not a guy with a big arm. So when you get into some of these poor weather games and it's raining and snowing, he's just not going to be that good. But now you put him into a dome where it's, you know, he's going to be playing in good weather, you know, 12, 13 times out of the year. I just think that's a, but, a much better situation for him if he's asked to play. So, uh, again, I, there's not a lot to dislike about this move for the Cowboys. No, I, I hear that. Now, here's another thought, though, and this is just from from people who, who watched Andy Dalton and, and seen Andy Dalton through the years. There's times where he will look really sharp and, like, decent, and you're like, wow, maybe, maybe there's potential with this guy. And then the big moment comes on a primetime game, mm. and he gets smacked up. I mean, and Andy Dalton, I mean, uh, his, his numbers – uh, like one, you know, he's never he's never really had good primetime numbers. If you go back and, and uh, look at his uh, look look at his primetime record, you can see that he loses. Uh, they lose a lot of their na- their night games. I think he's five and nineteen. I think not it, great. It, yeah, 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 yeah. It's really bad. And that's the time when the Steelers would would crush them. Uh, and you know, and again, when you're going to Dallas, I mean, the schedule isn't set yet. We're hoping that it gets announced by the end of this week. But you know, when you're when you're going to Dallas. Dallas gets primetime games. I mean, the NFL is every like, game's a primetime game. Oh yeah, exactly. Like I so, um, and you know, it's I, I'm not. And again, I'm not saying that that's definitely. It's like the Madden curse. Like you know, it's one of those things that like you can't prove it's real, but it keeps happening. So we're worried about sure. it. Um, but uh, you know, Andy Dalton still, you know, he he's again he's a stopgap guy. He's he's not going to let it get. Like, he's not going to have your uh, your threshold at quarterback fall too far, but. Um, they're absolutely though. When you look at him and you put him into an offense, uh, he, he shouldn't scare anybody, but he should give the comp, the offense confidence. Like, Hey, we can still run our playbook here. We're not going to have to do what the Steelers did and keep revamping their playbook for Mason Rudolph. And then eventually Devin Hodges, like they did last year. Right. right. And when you have a backup quarterback, all you want is competent, right? That's what you want. Listen, Steeler fans know this better than anybody else. If they had a competent quarterback last year, they oh. probably win what ten games, maybe uh, even more. I mean, right? you you could you could say that they're at least there were several games. I mean, you look at the the Jets, the Jets game, game towards, yeah. the, towards the end of the season, um, the Bills game. I mean, they were very oh, close absolutely. to that. Um, I mean, so yeah, there's there's so many games you could point to, and it's it's you know it's one. I'm sure we're going to get into this in our second segment. Uh, you know, there's there's people that still think the Steelers should make a move like this to get a backup quarterback. Believe me, every, everyone here in Pittsburgh, you know, you know, first it was Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, every, every day, there's another quarterback that they think the Steelers should sign. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so that's why it made sense to go get him. But I, I wanted to ask you this before we head to our first break, what's your read on, on you know, on, on the moves the Cowboys have made because Byron Jones left and he's, he's with the Miami Dolphins. How do you feel about the defense and where they're going? Cause they still got talent on there. Um, you know, I'm, I've always, I've always liked, um, I've, you know, I've always liked haha Clinton Dix. You got Gerald McCoy. Um, I, but one guy I loved out of college, Leighton Van Der Esch, mm. you, you got all these, these really good names on the defense. Do you think there's going to be a sense of stability there for 2020? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating because they did lose Byron Jones, who was arguably their best defensive player over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, they lost Robert Quinn to the Bears, and he had a really nice season with them uh, after acquiring him for a six-round pick. So they did lose some talent there. 
Uh, but the Cowboys are hoping that not only getting guys like Leighton Vander Esch back from injury, uh, having a healthy Demarcus Lawrence, uh, that those kind of moves help them, you know, improve as a defense. But the scheme, uh, they changed out their defensive coordinator. No longer here is Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard. They brought in Mike Nolan from the Saints. They brought in Jim Tom Sula, who was widely regarded as one of the best defensive line coaches. They're going to be a much more attacking defense this year. They're going to blitz significantly more than they ever did with Rob Baranelli. So that they're they're hoping that the change in scheme and then bringing in some guys like, again, Joe McCoy, HaHa Clinton Dix, maybe an Alden Smith. We'll see if Randy Gregory gets back. They know they're not going to be an elite defense, but can they be a top 12 defense? I, I certainly think that's in the, the realm of possibilities. And the way the Cowboys are thinking now, they have a really good offense. They think they've made it even stronger this offseason. If they can just have an, an average to an above average defense, that should be good enough to get them to the playoffs. Absolutely. should be very interesting to see how that plays out with the NFC East. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to have Marcus flip it down on me. He's going to ask me some, some pertinent Steelers questions as we finish out the rest of this offseason right after this. Just wanted to remind you guys that today's episode of the Locked on Cowboys podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you will ever have. I can promise you that. It's hard to even explain just how good Built Bars are. Uh, I tried the peanut butter one the other day and was just blown away by how good it was. Did not taste like a protein bar at all. I swear that you're eating a candy bar, and that's just how good it is. Uh, the best part about Built Bar is they're fantastic for you. They have an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. If you want to experience a Built Bar, and I highly, highly recommend that you do, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. Locked On Cowboys, Locked On Steelers crossover edition of the podcast. We are here with Christopher Carter talking about the Steelers. Uh, and Chris, I've got, I mean, I've got a bunch of questions to ask you. Uh, let's start with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, we haven't seen him since week two of the 2019 season where he got hurt against the Seahawks. It seems like the Steelers team is kind of gearing up to make one more run. What are you expecting out of Roethlisberger this season? Well, one thing that you know, has been very interesting is that Roethlisberger has never had a chance to rest like this. Um, and it's very interesting because in the national media, you get a lot of people that are saying, oh, he's old, he's done, he's never coming back. You know, why are the Steelers even trying this? And, you know, he's coming off of a shoulder injury. But people often, when they say that, they're so ignorant because it was an elbow injury, which is a completely mm. different situation. Shoulder injuries late in your career, that does doom you. That, like, that, that, is, that is historically a very bad sign. But elbow injuries, that's a common injury. I mean, there's a lot of pitchers at, at, you know, at Ben Roethlisberger's age that can get that surgery, come back, and still throw for a little bit. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is that Ben Roethlisberger, uh, for a, at least another year or two, as long as he doesn't aggravate any other injuries that he's had in his history – I think that he's in a really good spot because they've they've kept the offensive line together. Uh, you know, they've got Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro up the middle. They still got Villanueva guard in the, at left tackle. Um, there's going to be some changes at left guard with Ron Foster retiring, um, and that you know there's going to be some changes at right tackle because most likely Matt Fowler's moving to that spot. Yep. Um, but you know, a lot of uh, a, a lot of things are are, are going to be interesting about how this offense works because two years ago. Uh, you know, everyone looks at how bad the offense was for the Steelers last year. But two years ago, they became the number one red zone offense in the NFL with Ben, with ben Roethlisberger and Randy Feekner, who is uh, the offensive coordinator. But he's also that like, kind of the handpicked guy by Ben Roethlisberger. He was the quarterback coach for years. Uh, the two were always supposed to be very close. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get back to those kind of numbers because back two years ago, that's when they had Antonio Brown. And mm-hmm. we still haven't seen this offense soar without Antonio Brown. So that's still kind of an interesting question about to see can the Steelers make it work offensively because um, they did without they did do that do that without Le'Veon Bell, but then with Antonio Brown, we still have yet to see that and any continuity come from that. I want to talk about the wide receiver core because I think I mean we could do a whole podcast on the Steelers wide receiver room because I th- mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating. Um, there were some reports over the last I don't know week or so uh, that Pittsburgh may not re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster after the 2020 season. I believe that was from Ed Duchette. Um I'm in the camp that I don't think. Juju really got a fair shake last year, considering he was pretty banged up. Uh, he was going through a ton of different quarterback quarterback turnover. Um, so we really don't know what he looks like yet as a wide receiver. One, I thought James Washington played really well last year. Uh, they have Deontay Johnson. They drafted Clay Chase or Chase Claypool. Tell me about this wide receiver room. How do you expect it to shake out? Who's going to play where? And what do you expect from Juju long term? So I, I still see Juju being with the Steelers. Um, a lot of this, any, first of all, I'll, I'll say that anyone that's saying that they know what's going to happen with Juju Smith-Schuster, um, I, I see that as pure speculation at this point. Because, I would agree, yep. Because, uh, you know, you look at this situation. Say Ben Roethlisberger finishes this year out, the Steelers make the playoffs, you know, one and done, or they, you know, they get a couple wins here and there. Um, and, and they're like, hey, we're going to retool for one more shot at Ben Roethlisberger because he does have two more years on his contract. Um, why would you get – why would the Steelers get rid of his top receiver – that he's worked with the longest of all of his receivers for his final year. And I just I just see, unless Juju Smith-Schuster bombs this year, unless he falls apart and is horrible, yeah. um, or, or is completely outshined by Deontay Johnson and uh, the other receivers, I just I don't see the benefit of the Steelers letting him go, and I don't see the likeness of them letting him go. Now, maybe he does have a bad year. Maybe, maybe last year just put it in a wrong way. And he doesn't bounce back. And Deontay Johnson, who did look very good as a wide receiver. I mean, he gave Tredavious White some, some fits in that bills game. Um, but you know, I, I just, I, I look at Juju Smith Schuster and you know, anyone who watches the tape, you know, of the, of those Steelers game, you know, he didn't get great separation. Like he was Antonio Brown, but there were plenty of times he was open and he wasn't getting yeah. targeted. I mean, Vance McDonald, if you go if you go to nextgenstatsnfl.com and you look up the separation numbers, Vance McDonald had the second best number uh, numbers of, of yards of separation per route targeted. And he was like 22nd in, in tight end numbers. Uh, so it, it, it wasn't a situation where nobody was getting open in Pittsburgh or the offense was poorly drawn up or, or, or you know, it was just they had bad quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. Nathan Rudolph, I mean, you people can say – you know, that he, you know, that he, I mean, he was, you can say he had a bad year, but he also had a year where he was knocked out by Earl Thomas in, in a hit early on in the season against the Ravens. And then when he came back and he was finding his feet, you know, he had that horrible game against the Browns. And then he was, a, you know, he was attacked by Miles Garrett and, you know, hit over the head with a helmet and then accused of, by him of, of, of uh, saying, making a racist statement uh, and all those things that can, that can mess you up as a, as a young guy in the NFL trying to find your feet. So, I'm not saying that Mason Rudolph's done or, or can't do anything or he's, he can't grow from his mistakes, but I am saying that I think that you can't punish the receivers that were on the roster for not having huge, huge, huge numbers. I think Juju's going to be around for at least another year, uh, but I mean, you're right about this wide receiver room. It's interesting. Deontay Johnson, he cuts people up, man. He, his route running, you know, a lot of people wanted to say Antonio Brown right away, and I'm like, eh, I wouldn't say that, but I would say San Antonio Holmes. 
uh, the way mm. he gets separation. He pushes, he, he pushes you back with his feet. He never has to get physical with you. Um, his explosiveness, his twitch muscles are just very good in short spaces. He really does that well. James Washington uh, really came on strong throughout the year. He was able to make some of those big plays. And Chase Claypool get, is exactly the fit of a wide receiver, what I thought they needed. The, what I was looking at, Marcus, for their, for their draft, if they were going to improve the wide receiver room, was they needed a deep threat. And not just a deep threat, but a speedy, deep, deep threat. So they got a speedy, deep threat with size. And this is a guy in Chase Claypool. He can block. He can go up and get it. He's a red zone target guy. He's a 50-50 ball guy. And he runs a 4-4-2, which makes him the fastest man in the room. So um, I, I, I look at this wide receiver core, and I see lots of potential. It's also interesting, the Steelers – they're known for picking their wide receivers, but they've selected uh, one in the second round three out of the past four years, and Deontay Johnson being the one that wasn't a second-round pick, he was selected extremely early. I think he was the second pick of the third round yeah. in that he was picked. So they've invested a lot into this. This is going to be a very interesting young receiver core uh, for Roethlisberger to work with. Yeah, uh, talking about Claypool, I, we've seen throughout Roethlisberger's career, he's always had one of those bigger, faster, deep threats, whether it's Plexico Burris or Martavis, Martavis Bryant when he was here for a little bit. Uh, I think I, I think Claypool is going to fit into that role really well. Um, one more question before we go to our next segment. Uh, I want to talk about the offensive line because uh, for m- most of the, you know, the previous decade, the Pittsburgh's offensive line was pretty good, especially when they had Mike Munchak there. I, I thought they were one of the best in the league. Uh, I think they dropped off a little bit last year after Munchak left for Denver. Uh, they lost Ramon Foster at left guard this year. Talk to me about what you envision happening at left guard and right tackle. Are we going to see Chuck Sikor for at right tackle? Are they going to keep Filer there? What do you anticipate happening? Now, so a few things going to happen here. One, uh, left guard presumably is going to be Matt Filer's job to lose. Uh, he was the right tackle for the Steelers. But for those who don't might not remember or might not know, he bumped over to left guard again when they played the Rams because they were concerned about Aaron Donald. And he performed well. Uh, you know, he wasn't great but he was able to at least slow up Donald enough so that they were able to, you know, maintain the pocket, keep Mason Rudolph clean enough so that there weren't a bunch of turnovers and and huge plays the other way. Um, And he did well enough there. So I think they're going to give him a shot there, but bringing in Stefan Wisniewski is a good depth player to help at center and at at guard and the drafting of Kevin Dotson, uh, Sean Serrett, the Steelers offensive line coach, he, he, he's already said like that guy could compete to start right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, It's going to be an interesting fight at the guard position, uh, but it's also going to be an interesting fight at the tackle position because, yes, Okorafor is the presumed guy because they drafted him and he's and you know he's he's the guy he's grooming him for it. He's got the perfect size for it. Uh, You love his footwork, but don't sleep on Zach Banner, the other tackle on the Steelers roster, who made a name for himself as uh, the uneligible receiver because if you were ever in Heinz Field last year. Whenever the Steelers went into their heavy formations, they brought out the sixth lineman. It was always Zach Banner. They would always say, and, and, and coming in, we have an eligible receiver, number 72, and, and the entire team in Hinesville would lose their minds over the uh, the ineligible receiver. Uh, and it was cra- it was crazy. At one point, we're like, they're, they're like they're talking about this guy like he's the like he's the star of the show. And and a lot of he was. It was so crazy, and he he fit it perfectly. Like Zach Banner's done a great job engaging. Uh, Pittsburgh media in general. I mean, he has, he has a broadcasting degree, I believe, too. So yeah. um, he's going to be a fan favorite, in my opinion. But Okorafor, I, I love his fit. He played against uh, Vaughn Miller again in a, in a fill-in for the, for the Broncos game 
uh, two years ago in his rookie season. And he didn't do great, but he did kind of limit Von Miller for most of the game. So, I mean, I think that he's uh, it's going to be an interesting battle there. Um, but a lot of what happened last year with the offensive line, it was the, it, it started out strong, I thought, you know, because they were teams realized, like, hey, you know what? We're not scared of their passing game. They're not going to hurt us deep. Let's flood the line as much as we can. Don't let the ground game get started, and we'll keep this offense in check. And as the year as the year started, they found other ways to mitigate that. They were always like, hey, we can make this work. But then as, as you saw the year went on, there were times you saw some serious lapses and just they, they, they were over, having to overcompensate for so much. Um, and Ramon Foster, I do think he, uh, he, he the, the reason he retired, they just looked at him and they said, look, man, like, you're just you're not what you were. But I mean, Ramon Foster had a heck of a career. Um, so I, I think getting fresh legs at the left guard position will be a huge boost. Uh, and they still have they have still have two top dogs in Pouncey and DeCastro. Uh, both are all pro guys. Um, so I, mean, I, I still think they gr- they're going to have a strong year. But uh, they a lot will depend on does Matt Filer fit in well at guard, and do they find that right tackle guy that's already on their roster in um, either Banner or Corfor. They also could use Villanueva to step up a little bit. I, th- I thought his play dropped off a little bit last year as well. Um, so get, getting him to play back at you know the near Pro Bowl level would, cer- would certainly help. Also, uh, watch Zach Banner on victory formations. Just takes his job very seriously on victory <laughs> formations. So uh, we'll be right back. We'll take one more break, and we'll talk about the upcoming matchup between the Cowboys and the Steelers. Guys, we talk about physical fitness all the time, but there's another side of the game that is just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. Again, that's 40%. With Calm, you'll have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditation. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. All right, we're back here. It's the Locked On Steelers, Locked On Cowboys crossover podcast episode here. Uh, Marcus, let's talk about these matchups that between the Steelers and the Cowboys that we can expect for this upcoming season. Um, it's kind of crazy. The Cowboys receiver room has evolved. Uh, mm-hmm. it, they made sure to lock down Amari Cooper. They went and got CeeDee Lamb, who many thought uh, was the, uh, the number one wide receiver in the draft. Um, you know, some said Jerry Judy, but Lamb was right up there. Um, and it's it's going to be interesting because you got two, you know, uh, two t- very talented receivers. And the Steelers secondary is not what everyone used to think it was. Uh, you know, people, I mean, people looked at back in the days when they had Artie Burns and Cody Sensabaugh starting at, at cornerback and Mike Mitchell and Sean Davis at safety. Now mm-hmm. you're kind of star-studded. You, get, we got, you got Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson. Hayden, who had five interceptions last year. Nelson, who was target very targeted very little because he was so in position all the time uh, and then you had Micah Fitzpatrick who also had five interceptions last year and had it was a first team all pro safety and Terrell Edmonds who probably is the is the lesser name of the of the of the top four in the group but he's a decent strong safety 
this is an interesting matchup I see just with the Steelers secondary and the playmakers that the Cowboys have to go to get out there for Dak. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating matchup. Um, obviously, Amari Cooper is the number one receiver here. Uh, maybe the best route runner in the NFL. Him and Dak Prescott uh, have a really strong connection. Uh, Cooper wasn't healthy at all uh, for the 2019 season, and it showed, but he was still incredibly productive. Second-year wide receiver Michael Gallup had uh, 1,100 yards despite missing a couple games in the middle part of the season uh, with a knee injury. He is really, really coming on as a wide receiver, too, and Frankly, I, you could make a debate, you know, pretty good case that the Cowboys didn't need to draft a receiver because Cooper and Gallup played so well last year. But now you added CeeDee Lamb, who's going to play mostly in the slot for the Cowboys. It gave, gives them a bigger presence there than what they had last year in Randall Cobb. Uh, yeah. But what Dallas is going to do, likely against Pittsburgh, is they're going to find them one matchup that they like, whether that's, you know, Gallup on Steven Nelson. Maybe that's Amari Cooper on Joe Hayden. Maybe maybe they feel like uh, Cooper can get the best of, you know, Hayden. Hayden's a little bit older. Uh, maybe that's just a, a better fit. Um, but make no mistake about it, Dallas is going to be an 11 personnel. They have Blake Jarwin, who's going to be running down the seams. But they're still going to run the ball a lot. And if you remember, you know, from the 2016 matchup, mm-hmm. that's really how Dallas won that game was a lot of screens to Elliott. He had the 90-yard screen for a touchdown in that game. Uh, but Elliott was able to kill them on the ground. I think Dallas would like to do something similar, spread Pittsburgh out and try to run that way. And it's very interesting that you bring that game up because that was always a pivotal game for me in that 2016 season for the Steelers because their defense was still trying to figure out a lot of problems. And in that game, I, I even did a, a film breakdown for the DKPittsburghSports.com where I still write for um, – and, and showing like, hey, there, these were these spots where it was a clear matchup, Lawrence Timmons versus Ezekiel Elliott, and Timmons just couldn't get to the spot. He had, Elliott would just be able to keep beating him spot to spot. And then it was, it was at that point that the Steelers kind of seeded the, the lead position over at linebacker to Ryan Shazier, and then that's when the defense just went on a serious tear to end their 2016 campaign. And then uh, they went in one, two playoff games and got, got beat by the Patriots when they lost uh, – um, uh, Le'Veon Bell, and they were really depleted in the wide receiver position. But um, the cow- that Cowboys game, I still remember because, yeah, you were right, Elliott was just a man. I mean, and that, that was the game that it looked like it was going the other way. You had the fake spike from Ben Roethlisberger's mm-hmm. and Antonio Brown uh, late in the game, and then the Steelers still couldn't – their defense still couldn't stop the run because it was Ezekiel Elliott that just went up the middle and took it all the way to the house. Uh, so – it's going to be interesting to see because now the Steelers are in a very similar situation where you've got Vince Williams, who's the old-time savvy linebacker for the Steelers, and now you've got Devin Bush, who's also in his in a, in a young stage of his career like Ryan Shazier was then. Um, now, this defense is a lot more built to handle, I think, a lot of those situations because, like we said, the secondary's a, a, a lot more there. The defensive line's a lot better than it was because you have Cam Hayward, who's you know, a first-team all-pro type of guy, Stephon Tuitt, who, before his season-ending injury, was looking like a better version of Cam Hayward. And then you can't forget the edge rushers in, in Watt and Dupree, and that's where I wanted to leave with my second question was, what do you think is going to be the – who do you think could win the, the edge rushing battle when it comes to protecting Dak Prescott? Because the Steelers have led the NFL in sacks, I think, for three straight years now, and T.J. Watt – was uh was it was an all pro type of guy he was he was a super edge rusher for the Steelers last year a defensive player of the year finalist and Bud Dupree for the first time in his career last year got double digit sacks do you think that the the Cowboys offensive line 
is going to be able to completely negate that for Dak Prescott? This is a really good question because it depends. It depends on the health of Tyron Smith. If you're getting 100% Tyron, I, I actually don't worry about the edge rush as much. And actually, Lyle Collins played really well last year. He was a, a Pro Bowl uh, nominee. Their tackles are arguably the best in the league. However, mm-hmm. both of those guys have struggled to stay healthy over the last couple of years. So it might depend on when this game is played and how healthy they are. My bigger concern is between those guys. Uh, Cam Hayward, obviously a Pro Bowl or All Pro. I still think Stefan Tewitt is one of the best kept secrets in all of the NFL, especially when he's healthy. And I know he's been banged up a lot, but I worry a lot about Tewitt against you know the Cowboys left guard center. Uh, no Travis Frederick anymore. Connor Williams is coming off a torn ACL. We'll see what the middle of their offensive line looks like. But it's not the tackle. It's not the edge rushers that concern me. It's those guys in the middle between Hayward to it and maybe Tyson Alulu, maybe some uh, Chris Warmly there. Uh, that's what's the biggest concern for me. That's 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 very interesting. And you're right. I mean, that could be another key matchup. And Travis Frederick. I mean, he was he, he was absolutely part of the reason why you could say for for several years that you know him and Smith and maybe the Cowboys had the best offensive line in the league. Uh, it, and now he's gone. Um, how do you expect? them to fill in for that position like you know not just name wise but talent wise like do you think it's going to be a source where Ezekiel Ed's run game could get impacted or lessened or you know Dak Prescott's pocket might collapse a little bit quicker it's going to be fascinating uh I thought Connor Williams last year at left guard was okay if he can come back and at least play at the same level he did last year I'm fine with that um one of the <laughs> One of the big problems last year with the Cowboys was Travis Frederick was not as good as what we remember Frederick being in 2016, 2017. He really lost a lot in 2018 uh, when he missed the whole season. Um, so is it possible that they get at least replacement level play from, you know, uh, Connor McGovern or Joe Looney? I think it's possible. It's just not going to be the strength of their team like it wasn't. In previous seasons and they're gonna have to find other ways to win I do think Dak Prescott is a significantly better quarterback than uh, now than he was four years ago so that'll certainly help I think the wide receiver room is better I think you, you maybe have improved in tight end a little bit there uh, so they, they have other ways to maybe cancel out that loss but it is a loss there's no doubt about that give me one one surprising factor because everyone knows about Ezekiel Elliott um, everyone knows now about Amari Cooper but give me one surprising factor of the Cowboys that could play in a matchup against the Steelers that you think would give them maybe an advantage that people wouldn't think of? Yeah, I think one of the ways that you need to beat Pittsburgh is down the middle of the field. Uh, Devin mm. Bush is a really athletic player, um, but he's he's small. I think he's only about 5'11". Uh, Vince Williams is much better coming forward than going backwards. So if the Cowboys can use Blake Jarwin, an athletic seam stretcher tight end in the middle of the field – and if they can create some, you know, some big plays that way, I think that's going to be really uh, be a way that they can kind of open up the Steelers defense. So look for Dallas to potentially try to throw down the middle of the field uh, a little bit more likely or more frequently than what they have over the last couple of years with Jason Witten. I hear that. I hear that. That could definitely be a factor. Uh, and especially, like you said, with Devin Bush still learning the defense, that could be interesting. They still need another depth position at line that guy at linebacker because Vince Williams is more of a, a, a buck linebacker that comes up and stops the run and blitzes the quarterback more so than dropping back and helping deep in coverage. Um, but who knows? Maybe they maybe they have Terrell Edmonds help with that a little bit more. But very a very good point by attacking the middle of the field and 
that that would show more of the prowess of Dak Prescott. And uh, I, I think he doesn't get enough respect in the league, man. I, I like how I Dak plays. Uh, and and uh, it's funny, I, I just had this conversation with my boss, Dan Kovacevic, and he was just like, ah, Dax, he's just, he's, he's whatever. I'm like, I don't know if you can say that, man. Like, Dak, Dak's been a good decision maker. Uh, it's, yeah. I, I, it's, it's kind of what you were saying earlier. They needed an Amari Cooper. And, and yep. now you got to see Lamb. It's it's and then again Michael Gallup who I think is the most slept on eleven hundred yard receiver in the NFL yeah. so yeah you you put those three guys with with Prescott and then a threat of a run game with Ezekiel Elliott don't forget Tony Pollard who played really really well for them last year as a you know kind of a, a everything running back uh, yeah this this offense has a lot of weapons that they can use. Awesome, awesome, Marcus. Thanks so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna, we're going to be talking, you know, this season. You know, hopefully, as everything everything goes according to plan, we can uh, we have a normal season of football. Uh, but I, I'm excited for to see this matchup one in preseason because that means that football's back, and then two during the season because it's always fun when the Steelers and Cowboys play. But Marcus, can you let everyone know where they can find more of your work? Yep, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can check me out at the Raiders Wire. Um, yeah, really looking forward to this game. Uh, the last three Cowboys Steeler games of all, actually last four, all the way back to 2004, have all come yep. out to be, you know, one score games decided in the last two or three minutes. So should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. As, as always, you guys know, I'm Chris Carter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter with at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Thanks to those who, uh, who make up our locked on uh, sports community from both the Cowboys, the Steelers, and the overall NFL community as a whole. Uh, we'll both be back tomorrow with our with our own shows. I believe, uh, Marcus, you've got the Ravens coming up, and yeah. I've got the, the Giants. So stay tuned for both of our shows. We got a lot of lot coming your way this week.